We are lesson 41, and I have one more question, and I don't think it'll take that much. <laughs> uh, I, the, the question is six uh, in lesson 41. We'll do that, and then Miles will take over. Um, so, <clears throat> by what power did the word become flesh? <laughs> Any guesses? <laughs> by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was also involved. Well, yeah, they all, all, all are involved. Um, and I, like I said, I thought, I thought this was pretty much a giveaway question, uh, that, uh, I don't think it was because of, uh, anything else other than the Holy Spirit working and, and, um, in, in the, uh, incarnation, all the things and the raising, realize the raising of Christ and all that, all, all are more involved. And, uh, so, we we see this in uh, Luke one thirty five. The angel answered and said to her, "This is uh, being married. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So again, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and then the child shall be called the Son of God. There's the link there that the Holy Spirit will come upon Mary. The uh, 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 Christ uh, will be formed in her through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the the Word became flesh at that point through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's also shown in, in Matthew one twenty. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream, in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." Again, who conceived? in her by the Holy Spirit, is of the Holy Spirit. So, again, no question how the Word became flesh. We also have it in John one thirty two and 34, or 32 through 34. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Again, this is when Christ is is uh, in the flesh, but the Spirit uh, descended upon him like a dove. And John sees that and, and recognizes, again, just the uh, uh, association between Christ and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Last part is where right out says, from these scriptures we learn that our adorable Lord humanity was due to the power of God through the Holy Spirit. He came voluntarily, he came voluntarily, became flesh voluntarily, and here we see the the share, may we say, of Father, Son, and Spirit in connection with his incarnation. So any other thoughts with that? Again, just... uh, (laughs) Re- relatively obvious by which the power, the, the word became flesh. Any other comments? I think it's kind of important to note that although those scriptures say Jesus is the Son of God, mm-hmm. and you can't really be the Son of God without being part of the Trinity, you know? Right. And I think I mean, that's. This, yeah, the, <laughs> you know, given that, again, Fully describing the the Trinity too, you know the yeah. the Triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all all working together, and we see that in the Resurrection too. We see all of that. So, 
again, it's the um, the unity of the the three that we see. Different functions they 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 do, um, but all part of the the uh, triune God. Which, again, when you really try and explain that, <laughs> it, it's it's kind of hard. They're all God, but they're all different. And the Son of God, what is that? You know, versus the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, the, the <laughs> me being a water guy, the only thing I, you know, you can, you you can see uh, water in three different phases: <laughs> a solid, a fluid, and a, and a vapor and a gas, all the same, but three different forms. And so that's the 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 geeky way, the engineering geeky way to uh, kind of the try and that they're all all the same. You know, molecularly, but they are in three three different forms. So, anything else before you let Miles take over with lesson forty two? I would say that it just isn't another man. It's a brand new man who's different than every other man that's ever been here. You know, God had the principle uh, where like begets like in Genesis, and so everybody that came from Adam. It was like Adam, and now we have a new man who isn't from Adam. And he is is going to be the one, based on what is uh, submission to the Father, that the Father finds all this pleasure in him as a man. And so... I I guess that's the thing. Uh, I would say, though, he came in the flesh. He's like us in the flesh. Yes, he is. So he's different, but he's in the flesh. And that's the important part. Yeah. Um, that he came in, in order to ultimately give the sacrifice for all of us. Yeah, and how do, how do you really try to articulate the hypostatic union of of a man and, and God yeah. together? Well, and was the Colossians, whatever, Inger will probably know it, but uh, he's fully God and fully man. Right. And there, there was a guy who was in, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, who Nick worked with. Oh, he wasn't God. He was, you know, you know, just in power. But no, fully, uh, re- read the scripture. It fully says, fully God right. and fully man. Right. And that's hard to digest. How does that, you know, we as sinful flesh right. find that, I don't understand how that works. I mean, yeah. I, you know, you struggle daily with sin in the flesh. And yeah, he was in the flesh, but perfect. Well, I, I, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say and reading just what we're going through. I think it's on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What we're going through today, I mean, they were saying that he was walking, he was filled with the spirit the whole time he was here. Yes. So. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, and that's another thing. He's fully got but filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Which makes him, which is interesting about him is that he is totally dependent on the Holy Spirit to live. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, as the, that's one of the big problems we have as sons of Adam, we fully depend on ourselves to live. Yeah. And uh, the secret of the, the the Lord Jesus really is the dependence on the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Through through His fleshly life. Right. 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 You know. And then the interesting part is then you know He says it's better for Him to leave and and for us because we now have the indwelling. Right. So we have that same indwelling Spirit. Right, we do. And so what what allowed him to function here should allow us to function here. It should, but that uh, that's what I think that's what spiritual growth is really all about is learning that how to be dependent. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it comes to that thing that faith. You need to believe. Yeah. And that's yeah. what his job is that we've studied for a year now yeah. is is to convince convince us of sure. what's true about us 
and convict us of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Any other thoughts? Well, I was just going to say one last thought, maybe. Um, you could almost read that, that passage that, uh, right out quotes. He says that we learn that our adorable Lord's humanity was due to the power of God through the Holy Spirit. You could read that personally as well, that our, our new nature, our new man is totally due to the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, that's where I kind of was saying, you know, yeah. he said it was better for him to leave so we'd have that same power in us. Right. You know. Right. <clears throat> All right. Anything else? Otherwise, uh, we'll turn it over to Miles and I will shift the camera so you're not just looking at a blank wall. You can see all our smiling faces here. Yeah, it's always fun when I get to teach because I get, I get to turn the camera around and I get to see everybody that's actually in the room. <laughs> well, we can we can omit Mike. We can. Uh, yeah, we don't need Mike. We don't need Mike. We can get everybody. Uh, okay, Nick is gonna. Nick is not gonna let me do it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, who's sitting behind Mike? I can't quite. Is that's Bob? That's Bob Lockwood. Bob's behind. Okay, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, I'm excited about this. These uh, questions here, lesson 42. We we totally just answered number one and number two with our discussion there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> never, <laughs> never I, didn't, I didn't. I I figured everybody's been preparing for this lesson, and so everybody had those answers in mind. But um, question one is: By what power did the Lord Jesus do everything uh, he did when he was here? And then question two is: Might one think? that our lives are to be lived the same way. So we just gave that the, you know, the 30-second answer version. So now we'll expand on those a little bit. But um, but these are pretty exciting, um, exciting questions, really, when you think about that. You know, we talk about the fact that uh, Jesus Christ is um, uh, true humanity united with, uh, you know, deity. Um, and, uh, and, then we're, and then we are united to that. <laughs> we are united to Jesus Christ, you know, and we have the, the same spirit in us. And, and, and that's a, just a huge, um, and exciting truth. But, um, so, so we gave a brief answer there to, by what power did Jesus do everything? Um, I'll just read the, the little quote, uh, from right out of the book. Um, this is on, I, I have the print books at page 237. Yeah. Um, then he says, everything our Lord did as a man was in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was by him our it was by him our Lord cast out devils. Through him he offered or presented himself without spot to God. His baptism and anointing set him apart thus to God to accomplish his will. Everything is in intimate connection with the Holy Spirit. So um I kind of wanted to explore a little bit. There where, where Rido says his baptism and anointing set him apart thus to God to accomplish his will. And um, all throughout, you know, the Old Testament, uh, we see we see this anointing and anointing was for all sorts of things. We see it for priests and for kings and for uh, inanimate objects for, you, you know, used in worship. Um, the, the, the whole the whole nation of Israel is referred to as as my anointed ones. Um but it always carries the idea of, of dedicating or setting something apart for a specific use. So, um, which kind of matches what Rido was saying there in, in uh, Jesus' baptism and anointing to accomplish God's will. Um, and then, of course, clearly we have through the Old Testament, the Messiah was, was uh, uh, talked about as being uh, God's anointed. Um, I think it's Psalm 2, 
verse 2, and then Isaiah 60, verse 1, which which Jesus quotes, and we'll look at in, in a moment. So um, when I, I kind of wanted to ask the question, when exactly was Jesus anointed? That's a question for the class. <laughs> was, it, was it when the dove came down? Yeah, that's what I think, too. When he was baptized? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it was, it was kind of interesting because I had to, um, you know, Rido puts that together, his baptism and anointing and, and stuff. And, 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 um, and what's really interesting, actually, I, I discovered, you know, is that, you know, all, all four Gospels um, record the anointing of Jesus. Um, only two really record the, the birth of Jesus. And, and John just kind of gives it the comment, the word became flesh. But all four Gospels record the anointing of Jesus. And and it might suggest to us that the anointing of Jesus is, is more important than, than even his virgin birth, right? So um, Courtney, Courtney already read this this uh, scripture here, John 1, 32 to 34, um, where where John the Baptist is, is saying um, that he's seen the Spirit descending as a dove, and he remained upon him. Um, and, uh, and all four gospels, when they're talking about the baptism, refer to, uh, the spirit descending as a dove. All four of them are consistent in that. Um, the gospel of John there that Courtney read, um, John uses the phrase, he remained upon him, which I thought was significant. Um, but what's interesting is that all four Gospels record this event as as the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So um, Luke Luke deviates slightly in that he he, he talks about this and then he um, and then he gives this genealogy. But even the genealogy starts with the words uh, which uh, when he began his ministry he was, and he gives this genealogy, and then he records. The temptation in the wilderness is the next event, but all all three of the other gospels um, record that Jesus was immediately led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So, um, uh, I wanted to read here from Mark uh, one nine through thirteen, um, where Mark records this event, and he says, "In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan." Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Immediately, the spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels were ministering to him. So, um. You get again. You get the the consistent message that the spirit descended like a dove, and you get this this voice from from the Father here. Where and we talked about that already. That this you know we talked about Jesus being the Son, um, and it's here at his baptism and this anointing um, that that the Father declares him to be um, his his son. And then, and I, I partly chose Mark because he uses this word "impelled" in the in the NASB, and um, not a word we use very often, but it really kind of struck me. The Spirit impelled him, and um, and it's it's a really strong word, you know, to be kind of driven or almost forced. Is if you look up the you know the English dictionary um, use of the word "impelled," and 
And so I, I just found this really, uh, really quite fascinating that it was at this point where Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit uh, came down upon him, and then he was driven or impelled by the Spirit. Do you have a, a comment? Um, I have a couple of uh, questions, Miles. One is, um, he he had a life that he lived for 30 years before he started on his ministry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there isn't a lot, a lot of discussion in the Word about that life, but uh, we know, as we'll see in another question, he didn't sin. But uh, what I'm after is, he, he, uh, he came for a specific mission from the, from the uh, Father and, and via the eternal covenant. And uh, is it, is every believer every believer has a specific mission? Would you say in service of the Lord? That that's a that's a really good question. I that's that gets the gears turning because. If you think about it, Jesus was always God. You know, he, he was always fully God and fully man. So it's right. not as if at this anointing that he suddenly um, began to, uh, you know, um, live the Christian life. <laughs> it's right. not that at this point he became Christ and began to, um, you know, uh, right. live the Christ-like life, I guess we could say. It, but what's interesting is that once this anointing came, he began immediately the fulfillment of a specific, yeah. a specific role, a specific purpose that the Lord had brought him into the world for. Right. Is that and 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 then yeah, as believers, what what does that mean about us? Um, I wonder if uh, I, what I'm thinking is is that whether you become a believer as a as a child. Or as an adult, I think every single one of us is to serve the Lord in some capacity. And although we're not going to go to the Jordan River and have a dove come down on us still, I like the word impel. I think the Spirit of God impels people to do what he has called them to do. And a lot of those things are not high profile. You know, it's like... uh, Alyssa, is Alyssa compelled to be a mom? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and maybe it changes as, as, uh, your family grows up. I think there's a lot of things within the sphere of where we are and what we do as men, especially in our, what we do as a wage earners and earn a living and support our family. All of that is part of the work of the spirit, I think. And I think sometimes believers think, well, I have to live in the flesh and earn a living, and then on Sunday I'll I'll be in the spirit. No, it's not like that. The Lord Jesus didn't work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then take the next three days off. Do you think what's the anointing? Do you think we're all anointed? Mm-hmm. That's well, my yeah. next. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as I, as I studied this out, I really had to. Um, kind of figure this out a little bit. Um, 
Because interestingly, none of the Gospels, when they record that baptism, use the word anointing, which is why I asked the question earlier, when was Jesus anointed? Because if we just read the baptism event, it says he was baptized, the Spirit came down as a dove, and, and then, um, but it's a little bit, you know, if, I mean, growing up in, in my Christian experience, we didn't talk a lot about anointing. It just, right. you know, so what is it? And, 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 you know, but what I found really fascinating is in Acts chapter 10 and 11, um, you've got Peter. He comes to, to Cornelius' house and he's telling him about, about Jesus. And he says in Acts 10.38, he says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So I found it really interesting. Peter, you know, in, in this brief account of what, of what Peter talked to Cornelius' house about, he is sure to mention that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and that, and then he... Uh, talks about what he did, you know, so there's this connection with this, this anointing with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing and the, the whole ministry, we would say, of Jesus. So, so Peter makes this pretty clear that there's this, there was this anointing of Jesus for his ministry. Um, and, and then, um, when we get into uh, and, and then, of course, what's interesting is it in the midst of that sermon, the Holy Spirit falls upon those who are um, those who are listening. Yeah. And and then uh, the Holy Spirit in, in the next chapter where Peter goes back and he's getting in trouble for going to Gentiles. And then he's explaining what happened and he gives this explanation. And it's in his explanation where it becomes um, pretty clear. Uh, in, in chapter 11, verse 15, he said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and this is significant, just as he did upon us at the beginning. So that's Acts, um, Acts 2, Pentecost, um, when, when the Spirit fell upon them. So he makes that connection for us. And then he says, And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think it's right there where, where Peter makes this connection that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is equivalent to anointing. Um, and I think that's what he's doing when he's explaining this, this event. Um, so would you so, say, would you say that there's a, di- and we've talked about this before, I think it's <laughs> obvious, there's a difference between being indwelt by the Spirit and being filled by the Spirit. Every yeah. believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't think there's any question about that. But the filling, of, the filling of the Spirit has to do with a specific um, thing that the Lord would have you do to serve Him. And I, you know, like I say, it's like there there was a guy at Holly Hills 30 years ago that was sitting in the pew listening to a, 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 somebody from a, a mission group talk about it. And, and that very day, he went and joined and left, and he's been in the missions ever since. And uh, the Spirit just called him, and he knew it, and off he went. And you, you run into others that are like that, but then you run into a ton of Christians that, I don't know if it's their just satisfied that they don't have enough 
aggrandizement about what God has called them to do, or they don't think they have a gift, or they don't think this, or they don't. I think every one of us has at least one. You know. Mm-hmm. JD, were you going to go ahead? Or... <laughs> well, <clears throat> so this might be a teaching moment for me. Um, I'm trying to go back to, first of all, um, Donna's question. Are we anointed? And then I'm learning through Acts and trying to make the connection with baptism and anointing. So my definition <laughs> for anointing has be, has always been being set apart for a, a specific task. And I think that that last portion of it is a little bit different than being baptized, but that might just be my systematic thinking and definitions that I've, I've got stuck in my head. So I, I recognize that we're all baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, so we've been identified through baptism, but my, I'm curious about, um, you know, Jesus wasn't anointed till much later in his life. Um, and, and that's when it got specific. Yeah. And, and so I think there's a, I don't know, I, I'd have to go back and kind of rethink what you just mentioned there, Miles, in terms of Acts 10 and 11. But, um, you know, I think the word anointing is a little bit scary for, um, more of the conservative evangelical side of Christianity. Um, we know that there's a lot of funky stuff out there uh, that goes on. However, if we're defining anointing as being set apart for a specific task, um, I think you know, what is that specific task for a believer after Pentecost for us? So, J.D., following up on that, uh, yeah, the anointing is, you know, is is that when we be, when we believe, and are we anointed by the Holy Spirit at that point? That, yeah. Or, or it, you know, if you go back to Mike, do we have special filling now? I I don't know. I, don't. I got scared of that word. I, 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 get, I, I get scared. <laughs> right, that's where I'm kind of like, Ooh, I, you know, we're we're totally indwelled, full power of the Holy Spirit indwells us the minute we believe. And so I, you know, what is the anointing is. Then, then it kind of went back to his original question is, you know, do we have a specific mission? And, yeah. and I don't know if there's a specific mission. I, you know, and I, I, a couple things, you know, again, I think to me, the anointing is, is probably at our, at our, you know, acceptance of the Lord because, you know, that's when we, yeah, we're set apart. We have the indwelling. We're, and, then I, then I go to the gifts. Each of us have a gift, at least, if not multiple, or do they, and they may change over time. So I don't know a specific mission. You know, I don't think there's a specific, he may use you at a certain time for certain, you know, helps or, you know, then teaching at some point, then, you know, different use of the gifts. I don't know if it's specific and whether you have a different anointing at the time that you suddenly start teaching or you, you know, whatever. So I, I, I go back to, uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so we would walk in them. Mm-hmm. It, that's not specific. It, we could have a lot of different tasks. Yes, I think that's, Les is, is talking to me over here on the side, and <laughs> we're, we're kind of thinking the same same thing there, Courtney, that um, obviously there is there is uh, baptism and I, and and eternal identification with the Lord. That's permanent. Being set apart to him is one aspect of having been identified with him. 
Um, but I think that there, you know, if we're going to use the term anointing as being God setting us apart for a certain task, um, then those tasks change, right? Uh, Mike, you know, you, you were a realtor and, uh, you became a believer and you got involved in learning and, and then you ended up teaching and then you ended up becoming an elder and then you ended up, you know, doing, so we all, you know, we were missionaries in Canada for, for five plus years and Les is a homeschooling mom right now and there'll be a different task that she'll set, be set apart for with the gifts that she's been given. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of see that as a very active thing. I mean, if we're trying to relate ourselves to the Lord Jesus in terms of how he was anointed for his task, that's uh, that's a tough one. I'll have to think on that a little bit further because that, that was very, very specific, and it was a one-time um, mission, so to speak. Um, well, he was anointed to, be, uh, to do the work of the Messiah. Yeah, that was his purpose. Yeah. And that the, the, his uh, agreement with the Father to to in the eternal covenant that and, and he had to be anointed to do what he did. You know, I think without mm-hmm. the Spirit of God, he wouldn't have been able to accomplish it. He wouldn't have. Well, the other thing that's running through my mind too is that Christ was fully God, fully man. Mm-hmm. So we're baptized into Christ at the point of belief. Yeah. Did Christ ever have a moment where he didn't believe? No. So if there's this one specific time where for the path that he was taken to the cross. Right. But he was kind of unique in that way. He he mm-hmm. never had a point that I can think of that he decided to believe that who God was, you know, or right. It's different. How did he know that today was the day we're going down to the river? Yeah. You know, and we're going to run into John. Well, he he and John knew each other. They were cousins. You know. Didn't the Holy Spirit direct him? Yeah. See, I think he did. (laughs) And as far as Donna's question about what are we anointed, I'm looking here in 1 John, and he's writing to his children, and he says, um, and 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. And then further on, he says in verse 27, As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as this has taught you, abide in him. So when were, were we anointed when we believed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had that, that verse right next to my notes because I've asked the question to my, my notes here. So are we waiting for some special anointing for power? And I, I think, I think we've been anointed. You know, I think we have, we have been, uh, set apart. And I think the reason that the word baptism becomes this, this term, this thing in the New Testament is because it's our baptism that identifies us with Christ. And in the same way that we're identified with his, his death, his burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating, you know, if he has been anointed for a specific task and we are united to him, well, then we're united to him in that task. Yeah. He, he, that's exactly it, right? I mean, right now, the body of Christ is being built up to fulfill the task of the Christ. It has That has a purpose right now during the church age, the building of the body and so forth, but it has an eternal purpose that goes on into eternity because Jesus Christ's task is an eternal task. 
His ministry is the eternal ruling of this creation from from his throne in Jerusalem. And we are participants in that. So if we have been brought into that, then we have to have we have to have the same power. We have to have the same power behind everything that we do, which is the same anointing that he received. Would would you say, uh, Miles, that uh, the original, uh, whatever term you want to use, anointing or baptism, for every believer based on what you just read, is the fact we have the capacity from the Spirit to learn of of Christ and who he is, Mm. We see, we can see things that the non-believer doesn't see. And that would be the, the spirit working in each one of us to, to show us the wonders of Christ. And in, yeah. that, in that process comes, uh, uh, the, and I, I, I like the word, I like the training, this, the word training where the spirit of God is training us for something that he has in mind down the road, you know. Um, and it seems like we're always being prepared for the next thing and we don't know really what the next thing might be. Yeah. It's always the next thing. Yeah. What's really cool about what you just said is that if we, again, kind of being a little bit semantic here, but we're set apart at salvation for a specific task. What is that task? That task is to behold who we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. It is to to grow in dependency. Your task is to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit with whatever you do. Uh, And that those things will change over time, right? Mm -hmm. But you're, you're set apart for the task of beholding who you are in Christ. Uh, And that's an eternal task that is in conjunction with the Lord Jesus himself. Yeah. Is that is that a fair way to summarize what you just said? I would I would I would say JD that that we are maybe it's just to behold Christ Himself, and the reason I say that is that yeah, Jesus says, yeah. the Lord Jesus said, "I never do anything of myself." In other words, I'm not beholding myself in the Father; I just do what I see Him doing. Yeah, it's really with us as Christ in us. We do what we see him doing, maybe is a way to say it, or maybe... Uh, we get to be involved in it. That's the cool part, is that there is that unique personality that Mike Doyle has that's kind of annoying sometimes and really great. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> We've been talking to Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we Alyssa and I were, as I was preparing for this lesson, and Alyssa and I were talking about it, we came, we said that exact same thing. Um, not that Mike is annoying, but that there's... there's these, <laughs> but that is so neat to see that there are unique individual personalities uh, united into the Christ and and how he can do that, you know, and there becomes this amazing uh, diversity in within his unity. But um, I guess we're getting to time here. But I, what what you kind of said there, JD, about um, this, you know, bringing our minds back to this I thought of beholding him and what is the purpose of um, what is our purpose? And um, I, I was reminded when as you're saying that. Um, Ellie Maxwell, uh, back in 1922, set the uh, the mission, whatever you want to call it, uh, a motto of um, of uh, Prairie Bible Institute as to know Christ and to make Him known. 
to know mm. Christ and to make him known. And that still is on the sign out in front of the school today, as, as uh, far off track as they are. That still <laughs> says it right on the front of their campus. And, um, and I really think that is the purpose of the, of the church, to, to know Christ and to make him known. And, um, Miles, and I don't yeah. think we can go too far off track if that's focus. Yeah, that? one, one, one last thing. I was thinking kind of jumping on what J.D. said. I think <laughs> I, I think the, 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 the number one is to be conformed to the image, to have the intimate relationship with him. That's number one. I think everybody jumps on, I've got to serve, I've got to do this, I've got to do that first before – the one thing, you know, is to know him. And, and I think kind of what JD was saying, I think that, that's the number one is to know him, to be conformed to him and ultimately glorify God. That's, that's the number one thing. And as we do that, we manifest Christ and then we do the service or the mission or the yeah. purposes that he has for us. But the number yeah. one thing is to be conformed ultimately to him and to ultimately glorify God. I think yeah. that's the number one thing that the spirit is is you know doing in our lives is to conform us to the image of Christ and you know to be transformed to have the mind of Christ you know and then then the service and the the activities and the workmanship you know the things he has for us will be you know brought before us for what for whatever reason how else would you how else would you know the direction that the Lord would have right. to go if he didn't know him. Right. I mean, but that, I, you know, it's kind of we put the cart before the horse. A lot of people want to yeah, go out and be, become a missionary once they be, know the Lord. Yeah. I'm going to go out and, you know, I'm going to be a thousand different things before yeah. they really know the Lord. Sure. And and I think number one is establishing Christ in the believer yeah. is is the foundation for all of that. And, and he'll, you know, again, I go back to Simon, he'll allow us to do that. We'll run out ahead of the cart and get run over by the cart and realize that we're in front of the cart. And all those things, you know, all those will, he'll allow us to do it. But ultimately it's to, you know, draw us into the relationship with him and to conform us to him. That's good. Courtney, one, you were saying one thing, I know we're at time. Um, Les and I were just kind of chatting off the side here. Um, to glorify him is, is the ultimate task. Right. And how is that done? Um, it's done by beholding him, getting to know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection mm-hmm. and his sufferings. Don't forget that part. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, he gets glorified through the transformation, the uh, conformity that he's doing in each of our lives. So anyway, yeah, we've always got to go back to the dispensational answer of uh, glorify God. <laughs> <laughs> But it really is, and, and if we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, um, what else is He going to do, right? But glorify Christ, and and uh, and so I'll, I'll leave with the last question, I guess, that I, I kind of put in my notes here: is that if if we're already anointed by the Spirit, are we being impelled by the Spirit? And um, and if we're not being impelled by the Spirit, there's only other one other thing we can be impelled by. So, um, I think, I think that's, that's kind of the, um, question to ponder, but let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can, um, that we can just, uh, marvel at, at, uh, the amazing things that you've done. Um, the fact that you have, uh, baptized us, united us to your, uh, to your son, 
um, to participate in uh, in this uh, this life of Christ that you uh, that you have uh, uh, set apart for uh, your eternal purpose. Um, and uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just impress upon us more fully the the uh, magnitude and the wonder of that, um, and that we would uh, that we would just behold uh, behold Jesus Christ uh, and and all that He is, and that You would impress upon us more fully the uh, the the truths and the reality of 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 who He is and. And uh, that you would conform us to that likeness and that in doing so, you would glorify yourself, uh, glorify your son, Jesus Christ, um, in, by what you do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.